welcome to the latest podcast from the Luxury Mythal South Asia Institute at Harvard University. I'm Hasit Shah. There aren't many people who combine two distinct careers, both at the very highest level. But Rahul Merotra manages to run a successful architecture firm in India. He's also a professor here where I'm standing at the Harvard Graduate School of Design. He's a member of the LMSCI Steering Committee and one of the leading scholars working on our major project about the partition of British India. For this episode, I had a brief chat with him about an exhibition of his architectural work. As you'd probably expect, he's a fascinating speaker. This is sort of a range of uh, projects that will go all the way from uh, research and documentation, which has been a very integral part of our practice, uh, to some selected projects, which again represent the kind of gamut of issues that we are interested in, which largely have to do with the intersection between the questions of spatial arrangements and the making of architecture, uh, but also with the engagement of communities and societies uh, to, to gauge a pulse on, on what their aspirations might be in order to represent them appropriately in that construction of architecture. What is, though, in practical terms, what is a soft threshold? And how do you begin the process of designing one? Well, that's a good and a complicated question. Uh, soft thresholds, at least what I sort of um, mean by it, emblematically at least, is uh, porosity, is transparency, and I think in its broadest form engagement, uh, because I believe architecture in my observation, as well as many forms of city planning, urban design, and the articulation of space, uh, uh, tends to actually differentiate and separate people, which is in effect create a hard threshold, which doesn't allow forms of transgressions. And I don't mean transgressions that are negative, but in positive engagement ways. Uh, And so zoning is an example in city planning where uses are differentiated and as an extension, different demographic and economic and cultural groups, etc. In architecture, the way a door is articulated, the way a boundary is made, uh, uh, it it also begins to soften or harden that threshold. And uh, sometimes just a visual transgression is enough because it's another form of engagement. Uh, But our buildings tend to, you know, even... Uh, avoid that. So for example you have buildings that are in reflective glass that sit in the most prime urban space in cities uh, but you have no sense of what's happening in those buildings because they merely reflect what is outside and so they don't allow even a visual transgression or porosity. Uh, And this, in a sense, implicitly separates people. And I think in the world today, uh, with everything that's happening politically, socially, culturally, uh, here in the United States and many other geographies, um, I think the way we articulate space, the way we make the built environment uh, is, I think, very important in bringing people together, bringing people in different forms and modes of engagement together uh, for us to build consensuses around political questions, social questions, cultural questions, and economic questions. In Mumbai, how do you demonstrate the value of the soft threshold yourself? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, again, I think, yes, the 25 years or 27 years have been about that. And I think the way I would say this, I would answer this in two ways. One is that I think for me, in some ways, Mumbai has been a blessing as far as engaging with these issues go, because it's an extreme condition. 
um, of, of, of polarizations of many kind, economic, social, cultural. It's cosmopolitan and plural, yet very polarized. There are many binaries that sort of way make the, I mean, that help us organize the way we sort of traverse a city like that. Uh, and I think to experience uh, and to be made aware in that extreme condition about how these polarities come together, how these binaries can be uh, dissipated, dissolved, uh, was something I lived through in my everyday experience there. It was sort of an everyday experience. It wasn't an experience that one was constructing. Uh, and so one learned a lot from that. And I think then, uh, 10 years of very intense engagement there, I started teaching and beginning to reflect about these questions. I mean, that was it was an amazing repository of experiences that I could draw on. And, uh, and so that sort of led me to think about these issues. But in Mumbai, I think the question of density, the question of coexistence, a very particular condition there has constructed a culture where these thresholds dissolve. The poor and rich live very easily together. Uh, they depend on each other. It's a complex relationship, one of affinity, but also one of rejection simultaneously. So you grew up in an environment where there are no clear lines, physically no clear lines. I mean, Bombay, is, Bombay as it was then is very much that kind of city, still is. Yeah. Um, do you think that it's growing up in a place like that, having that as your formative experience that has influenced the way you think about space Oh, very much. I mean, I think uh, I think the easiness with which things coexist in Mumbai in terms of their adjacencies has absolutely influenced the way we look at architecture, the kind of disparate, or you could call it hybrid conditions that we sort of respond to and bring together very much. And I think Mumbai is an extreme condition of that kind of coexistence, but it's a very complex coexistence that occurs there. And as I was saying, it's about rejection and affinity simultaneously. There's a dependency between the different worlds that exist in that space but there's also a polarity that there's a kind of rejection uh, you know a classic example is how um, the middle class use maids from the slums to look after their kids but every time the child gets a cold they blame the maid for having carried the disease from the slum so that's the rejection the affinity is the dependency so it's 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 not a simple binary but it's a kind of complex interweaving of these issues uh, and of course of course it influences one's architecture but one has to at every step be critical that you don't fetishize or, or celebrate it for the wrong reasons. Uh, and so when one has to be inspired or nourished by a complex condition like that, I think being critical about uh, what it entails is also very important. As soon as you walk into this um, area, you see soft thresholds. You yeah. see these semi-transparent yeah. blinds. Yes. I understand that you have those in your practice in Mumbai Studio, as well. Yes. Your office space looks like this. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, I mean, again, in Mumbai, office space is hard to get by. Uh, it's expensive, so be a very tight space. Uh, and my engagement with multiple things, research and exhibitions and projects uh, forced me to have to use that space in different ways. And so we came up with this kind of flexible grid of screens that can be pulled down back and forth to reconfigure rooms depending on what team needed to be allocated, how much space. And so I thought I'd carry that as a motive uh, for this exhibition. But I think more than just being a motive that sort of 
well, resonates the transparency, kind of resonates what our studio space is like for people to understand the condition we work in. The more important thing here was to create a series of rooms, but yet not differentiated rooms because the work influences each other, but each room has a particular kind of project that uh, one can see at its own terms. So to go from one room where there's stuff about urban conservation to another room where there are contemporary buildings uh, uh, you know I didn't want them to be in the same space because they would visually collide so this way you have differentiated spaces that you can look at very disparate work on its own terms this is as much a retrospective of you know your 27 years of practice as it is of a particular type of design Um, and this may be an unfair question but what do the next, maybe not 27 years, but what do the next sort of 10 years hold for your ambitions for your practice? So I, you know, I've been, um, what's represented very clearly in this exhibition, uh, two or three sort of worlds that I have habited in the last 27 years. One is where I've worked on historic preservation, but by extension, many interests in the city, in the urban, uh, in urbanism more broadly, which then plays itself out in the Kummela and many of these kinds of uh, projects, research projects. But it's really the urban dimension, the territorial dimension. And at the other end of the spectrum, I've been very focused on buildings. We've been building a number of buildings, small houses, offices, which really have to do with architecture, maybe in its purest form. Uh, And so uh, I think an exhibition like this, reflecting on work, has made me suddenly settle my interests for the next few years on the question of housing, because I feel the question of housing, not only is it a pressing uh, crisis and issue in the context of South Asia and perhaps many, many parts of the world, but I find, and I've suddenly come to realize that in housing, uh, both my interests in the city as well as in pure architecture get simultaneously engaged, because you can't do housing without understanding the context it sits in, which is the city, and um, and, uh, and and yet it entails architecture. So it allows me to work at both scales. So I've, I've started working on that. And the next exhibition that we're doing in India is called The State of Housing in India, which is going to look in a very focused way and take an inventory on the housing condition in India. And my studios at the GSD, the last semester that I taught here and the coming semesters, is going to be focused on the question of housing. Housing, of course, in urban India is an enormous issue. Mumbai especially. Are civic institutions, government, etc., moving in the right direction in order to house these enormous populations well? Uh, no, uh, and I think that's the problem. And I think the reason for that is that when we liberalized our economy, uh, housing, which was very much a state subject, the government, uh, delivery of housing was the responsibility of the state, uh, devolved itself from this responsibility. Uh, And so the private sector has taken over, and the private sector is about greed and profit, and so housing is for the upper classes, upper middle classes, and the rich. And so housing for the poor has completely gone out of the window. And I uh, I think it's contingent upon all of us as civil society society to resituate this de- debate in the mainstream. Uh, what does affordability mean? Uh, how does one address this humongous sort of uh, challenge of housing? How does also one address the issue of housing within the emerging trajectories of urbanization in India, where what is rural and what is in, uh, urban is also beginning to blur? Uh, our small towns, uh, which are completely off our radar, are the real urban time bomb that India is sitting on. And so my interest now in looking at 
at housing is also a way to look back to look at the issue of urbanization. And so housing and urbanization as a kind of composite entity is, I think, where I seem to have arrived upon. Uh, and I think a lot of the research and projects you see in the exhibition, I think, have got me to this point.